Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Sierra Metal Q2 2020 Consolidated Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mike McAllister, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sierra Metals Q2 2020 results conference call. On today's call, we are joined by Louis Marchese, our CEO, Ed Yamaras, our CFO. Today's call will be followed by a question and answer period, and the accompanying presentation for today's call is available for download both through the company or both through the website, uh, the webcast, and the company's website at CRMetals.com. Yesterday's press release, the financial statements, and the management discussion and analysis are posted on the company's website. Before I turn the call over to Luis, I would like to indicate that the earnings call contains forward-looking information that is based on the company's current expectations, estimates, and beliefs. This forward-looking information is subject to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors. Actual results could differ materially from our conclusions, forecasts, or projections as reflected in the forward-looking information. Additional information about the material factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from the conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward-looking information and material factors or assumptions that were applied in drawing a conclusion or making a forecast or projection as reflected in the forward-looking information is all contained in the company's annual information form, which is available publicly on CEDAR or EDGAR via Form 40F or on the company's website. Please note that all dollars amounts mentioned on today's call are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. With that, I would now like to turn the call over to Louis Marchese, CEO of Sierra Metals. Thanks, Mike. Before I speak about our Q2 highlights and insights, I would like to take a quick moment to update you on the most recent COVID-19 developments in Mexico and Peru. Turning to slide four. At the beginning of June, the Peruvian and Mexican governments allowed for the resumption of pool mining and mining-related activities, beyond essential activities that have been carried on the previous months. The company first recalled additional employees at the Yavicocha and Bolivar mines. Also, once a process could be put in place at CUSI to ensure working and community safety, we recall employees there as well, restarting operations in late July. We are proceeding cautiously and adhering to strict health protocols to protect our employees and the communities in which we operate, as well as to mitigate the potential for further work stoppages. Employees are first tested, quarantined, and tested again before joining the active workforce. Also, once at the mine, employees are monitored daily with health checks. While this system has served us well, it's not a perfect solution. We still have had some positive cases materializing the workforce, 
and have needed to quarantine and send those employees for medical attention. We also needed to remove any employees identified through contact tracing from the workforce until they are medically cleared to continue. For example, uh, two weeks ago, we had two persons that leaked through the sanitary fencing system that we have in place. And at the end of the day, we had to remove over 100 employees from the Jauricocha mine. So this is the sort of situation that we are looking at. I cannot understand the difficult situation due to COVID-19 currently both in Peru and Mexico. And we must continue to be very diligent in our actions. Taking care of the communities where we operate is also very important to us for their safety and their well-being. We have worked with the communities and have donated PPE and medical supplies including a donation to a local fundraising effort near the Yauricocha Man for the purchase of two oxygen production plants. Oxygen remains in short supply and is critical for those who are ill with COVID-19. We will continue strengthening our engagement and support to our workforce, their families, and the local communities in our area of influence at all three mines as the situation evolves. Then to Q2 2020 highlights, turning to slide five. The company achieved remarkable results despite the negative implications of the COVID-19 related shutdowns. While consolidated throughput, corporate equivalent production, and revenue were lower, adjusted EBITDA was positive, and we finished the quarter with $40.7 million in cash. These are strong results given the shutdowns experienced in the second quarter. Our revenue mixed by metal continues to migrate, with copper taking a leading role followed by silver. Gold has also seen a continued increase as a percentage of the mix, aided by improved production and recovery at Bolivar and supported by higher gold prices. In Q2, we faced lower base metal realized prices, but saw an improvement to precious metals realized prices. Precious metals have continued to improve in Q3, and base metals have also seen improvement, especially in copper over Q2. Turning to slide six. When compared to the same period in 2019, costs were down at both Yauricocha and Bolivar, which was attributable to lower operating costs and the prudent management of capital expenditures to protect the balance sheet. We also realized improved head rates and favorable foreign exchange rates. I would like to commend our employees and management, who, despite the challenges faced in the quarter, maintain a high level of productivity a solid balance sheet and strong cash. While CUSI remained a current maintenance during Q2, it did have a positive EBITDA of 0.2 million and revenue of 1.7 million from the sale of silver concentrate remaining at the end of Q1 2020. CUSI restarted earlier than anticipated in late July and is on track and performing well on its way to the 1,200 tons per day throughput level. Cash costs at CUSI are expected to be lower in the later half of 2020 as we ramp up production. Overall, we are certainly optimistic that with improved operating efficiencies and potential higher metal prices, we will see a strong third quarter in 2020. Looking ahead in 2020, turning to slide seven, we will see a strong growth for the company as operations return to full capacity. At Jauricocha, we had the flexibility to recover some of the lost production from the second quarter shutdown during the second half of the year. We are also excited to see Bolivar and Cusi ramping up to their targeted capacities of 5,000 
and 1,200 tons per day, respectively. Furthermore, we will also continue to seek the required permits to increase the agriculture's throughput to the 3,600 tons per day level for next year. I am also pleased to announce that as per the ongoing strategy of the company, the Board of Directors has approved a proposal by management for the expenditure to study further expansions at all three mines beyond their current capacity ramp-ups levels. These studies will incorporate the latest 4311 mineral resource updates, including the significant mineral resource increases at Bolivar reported in December 2019 and March 2020. The company has excellent land packages with tremendous resource growth potential to support further organic growth at all mines. The company has issued revised 2020 production guidance. We now anticipate that 2020 copper equivalent production will range between 110 to 122 million pounds. Silver equivalent production will range between 17.4 and 19.4 million ounces, or zinc equivalent production will range between 260. 86.8 to 318.7 million pounds. The revised guidance assumes no further shutdowns or work stoppages because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and is based solely on what management expects the company's operations can produce this year. In conclusion, on slide eight, the company has had a solid quarter despite the adversities we faced from the COVID-19 pandemic and we're still able to emerge with a strong balance sheet and cash position. While we certainly continue to operate in a vulnerable environment due to COVID-19, we remain optimistic that further cash flow and liquidity improvements are expected in the second half of the year as a benefit of higher production and metal prices as compared with the first half. We remain committed to the prudent and sustainable growth of the company, and more importantly, to improving the per share value of the company which benefits all shareholders. With that, I will now turn the call back to Mike. Thanks, Luis. That ends the presentation portion of the call. With that, we would now like to open the call up to questions from participants. Operator, could you please open up the line? Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile a Q&A roster. Our first question comes from the line of Mark Reichman from Noble Capital Markets. Your line is open. Good morning. Uh, Louise, when you look at the COVID-19 situation in Peru and Mexico, how are you thinking about required functions and activities versus what's discretionary? Uh, thanks for the question, Mike. Mark, I think it's extremely relevant what this asks. Uh, COVID-19 in both jurisdictions is, is a very worrying situation. In Peru, yesterday we had the highest number of infected people since the start of the pandemic. And we're having the highest number of dead people. And, and this is all across the country. And it's certainly the case near our operation at Jauricoche. In Mexico, the situation is also quite boring, although where we are operating uh, is still at a, and hopefully will remain at a lower uh, 
at a lower level of, of infection than the rest of the country. What we're doing is we're prioritizing non-discretionary capital expenditure, particularly in the areas of health, safety, and environment. And also we're prioritizing operational capex. So as we speak, we are trying to, to spend more on the required capex to maintain our operations at the level that we require. In the last quarter, provided we could only do essential mining activities, we had to stop some of our development, which we are currently bringing back at, at the right level so we have the right amount of ore available for, for production. In the future, certainly we expect to have uh, some, some cash flow to start looking at different capex uh, initiatives from non-discretionary, and we're going to look at uh, expansion studies that I've just mentioned, among other studies that we have to make to, for the future of the company as part of the growth strategy. My follow-up is, when you think about the potential to increase production capacity at all three mines beyond what is already planned, at this juncture, which ones appear to be the easiest versus the toughest to accomplish? And, and what are the most critical questions that you hope the study uh, will provide help with? Well, thank you, Mark. The aim of the study is to provide answers to, to, the, to the design and relevant variables of the three expansions, the right sizing, the right layout, the potential bottlenecks in terms of infrastructure, power, water, roads, the environmental impact assessment, the financial requirements and eventual financial needs. Uh, so we're going to look at all of those variables to decide between the options that we have at hand to see what the, the, the option that is the most value accretive for the company is the one that we would develop in the future. So that's what the studies are aiming for. Uh, and the board has supported that, that we do these studies for the, for the three mines, because we are very optimistic that provided where we are in terms of resources, in terms of cost base and the jurisdictions where we are, that we will be able to bring all this value to the company and to the shareholders. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Heiko Ill from HCW. Your line is open. Thank you guys, thanks for taking my questions there. So just went through a couple of past press releases. January 23rd, you initiated guidance of 135 million copper equivalent pounds. You suspended it May 13th, now you're at 110 to 122 million pounds. I mean, all things considered, that's really only a 14.1 decrease at the midpoint, so that's actually really strong. We're sort of halfway through Q3 at this point. Can you just sort of tell us what you're seeing in the quarter and how much room for error this guidance actually allows? Uh, thank you, Heiko. The, um, while we were uh, maintaining essential mining activities, we we work on the on the most profitable areas of the mine. That's where we try to, to stay while also maintaining 
all the right variables in place. So that's why if you see our guidance as compared to 2019, we have, we are aiming to reach more production in gold, silver, and copper. Uh, even though actually in silver, uh, we stopped QSI for, for almost four months. So that's why you can see that the drop in production is not that much. Uh, and we aim to remain there. Uh, well, looking ahead, we are also very carefully planning what we do for the rest of the year. Uh, and so far we're getting there. My only concern, uh, we reiterate this, is COVID, uh, that uh, it can impact us in the development of, of some areas that we are currently planning. So that's why we are providing this low and high guidance for the rest of the year. Okay. And then just building on that, it states in your release that the guidance, uh, quote, assumes no further shutdowns of work stoppages as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, can you just sort of walk us through some factors that may have changed on your internal outlook in the last 14 days and, and uh, what has started to concern you more, or maybe, maybe also things that started to concern you less in, in, in the very recent past? Okay, uh, in terms of COVID, if you compare actually our operations with other operations in, in Peru, uh, we have been able to manage it fairly well. We have not stopped operations at, at any moment. Uh, our strategy of sanitary fencing and daily controls, and, and we have a crisis committee that meets fairly often, has worked quite well. So that's the, uh, that's the good part of it. Uh, and we certainly are planning to remain that way. But on the other hand, the overall situation in the country, in Peru and in Mexico is really concerning. Uh, as I said, as we speak, yesterday was the worst days since the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, we cannot state that we, that we won't have any uh, leaks or, or actually dire consequences from this pandemic in the future. Uh, we are having, as we speak, also some operational restrictions. Uh, like I said, uh, we had to quarantine over 100 workers that were in Yanacocha, uh, which is uh, pretty much 15% of the workers that we had at the, at the mine at the time, uh, from one day to the other, because we had to isolate some, some cases that had appeared, even though we had this sanitary fencing strategy. So these sort of situations can happen. Uh, we are doing our best to control, but you know, we, are, we are part of a, of a community, we're part of, of the environment, so it's very difficult to, to finally say that we're not going to have any sort of issues in the future. Okay. okay. And, and then just, just finally, and I, I, I know I've asked this question on one of these calls before, and we were actually at an even lower cash figure then. But, I mean, just, just thinking out loud, you, you currently have uh, over $40 million in cash. Uh, that's essentially in line with the end of 2019, but it's double the cash you had at the end of 18 and 17. I mean, at what point in time do you think that's a little bit too much firepower and, and you'd be, be willing to spend that down a little bit or return it to shareholders or 
you know, do something else with it. And that's it for me. Thank you very much. Hi, Heiko. Thank you. I'll, answer, I'll take that question on. Yeah, and, you know, that's a very good point. With the cash position that we, we have and uh, assuming Q3 and Q4 uh, continue as, as Q3 has started off, um, I, we will continue to build cash. I, we have opportunities to continue with our original 2020 capital approved capital expenditure plan, which if you recall uh, on the original guidance back in January was $52 million. So we've only spent approximately 15 million uh, halfway through the year. So there would be another 38 million available for that, as well as consider further spending for other growth programs and exploration as well. And, uh, and yes, uh, you know, should there still be excess cash, a portion of that could be returned to the shareholders. But it's important to note that we're still nowhere near out of the woods with, with COVID. And, uh, and as Louise just mentioned, yesterday was uh, one of the worst days that uh, Peru has seen in terms of COVID. So it's still very much yeah. real. Yeah, no, unfortunately, unfortunately, you're right with, with COVID being nowhere near over. Uh, thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Our next question comes from the line of Lee Cooperman from Omega Family Office. Your line is open. Thank you. Uh, I have a few questions. Maybe I can put them out there. Um, the market capitalization of the company is $275 million, which is almost an irrelevancy in today's market as people want larger, you know, more established companies. Present management and predecessor management have done a good job, so we really can't criticize the management. It's just that nobody's interested in us. So I'm just curious uh, whether you guys are willing to undertake a strategic review with the idea of maximizing value to shareholders. And in that regard, you know, we used to publish a slide where you uh, listed out your NAV. I gather that disappeared because you're going through this preliminary economic assessment and waiting for the results. But uh, I'd be curious, if you looked at M&A activity in the mining industry, what is a typical multiple EBITDA and NAV on these that, uh, these transactions that are taking place? And uh, what would that portend for us? That would be question number one. Uh, question number two, you really almost yourself uh, opened up the the Pandora's box. You you made a reference in your press release about looking at returning money to shareholders. Uh, what do you got in mind? Um, we announced the intention of doing a buyback earlier this year. I think the stock price is actually unchanged from where it was at the beginning of the year, even though the fundamental performance of the company looks to be better. So that would be my second question in terms of the buyback. Third, uh, I looked at the tonnage that you're projecting to produce in 2021 versus 2020. Would that should one assume that your production in gold and silver is likely to be greater in 2021 than it is in 2020? Um, those are my questions for now. Thanks, Lee. I'll uh, I'll take that on, and then uh, and then Luis could compliment. Uh, uh, but in terms of strategic reviews, yeah, well, that, that's something that is ongoing. Uh, we do strategic reviews, uh, management uh, presenting to the board, and, and we do these twice a year. And uh, and and just recently, we approved studies for possible expansion scenarios at all three of our mines. 
and and uh, and that can go a long way in terms of. I was referring to a strategic review as regards the possible sale of the company to a larger entity. There was $275 million. We just don't attract any interest. Silver and gold are at record high prices, yet our stock price is no different than it was a decade ago. So my question is whether there, you have a 50% owner, 59% of the stock is owned by management uh, uh, and Alberto. Uh, is the time not come for you guys to step out and see if there's an alternative uh, home for uh, Sierra that would uh, uh, you know, get proper value for us. So I'm not talking about strategic review of your expansions. Okay. Thank, thanks for clarifying, Lee. But I, I think that that question is more, uh, I think, should be posed to to uh, Alberto and to the ARC Fund in terms of what their strategic plans are for, for their interest in the company. And because it is 52%, what they decide ultimately, um, you know, whether it's 52 or 100% at that point, they, they can control um, what takes place. Uh, Louise, I, I don't know if you want to add anything in that regard. You're on, you're on mute. Uh, I was just, uh, maybe the next question, Neil, on the excess cash flows. What I can mention is that we have a CapEx backlog there. Uh, we, we carried $10 million from CapEx backlog from 2019 to 2020. And we certainly have a larger capex backlog uh, due to the COVID. We haven't been able to do not, not even what we believe was non-discretionary in terms of operational. That, that, that wasn't my so, question, well, honestly. My question. Let's focus on the first question. Was if you look at M&A activity in the mining space, in terms of multiples of EBITDA mm -hmm. and NAV, what what would you think the value is of uh, Sierra? In, in, in the merger market versus the auction market. The auction market is the market where one or two shares trade or 100 or 200 shares trade. What is the value of Sierra to a strategic buyer? And would uh, the company consider that? Leo, I think uh, we, we are providing guidance in terms of, of production. Uh, we have provided guidance in the past. Uh, I think there is a, a group of analysts that have uh, certainly a view on the value of the company, and they uh, certainly support your view that, that the company has room to grow in terms of, of purchase value. Uh, that's what I can comment on that. Uh, in terms of, uh, of the strategy that you mentioned, I think it, it just uh, clarified that, you know, the company uh, is, is controlled by one party, uh, so quite a bit of that is, well, that decision is in the hands of that controlling party. Mm -hmm. uh, what about the question, I assume if I look at your tonnage uh, that you're expecting to produce in 2021, would it be fair to reason that you would anticipate that your production of gold and silver in ounces would be higher in 2021 than you forecast in your uh, in, in 2020? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. We're aiming to reach full capacity at the three mines at, at Bolivar and Cusi by the end of the year. And we are aiming to have a permit to go to 3,600 tons per day at, uh, at so which is 20% more throughput in Jabalicocha by the start of the next year. 
So by the likes of throughput and grade and recoveries, we are certainly aiming to have uh, higher production. And let me add that we are also aiming to have lower costs, lower unit costs. Yeah, that's a good combination, uh, more production, lower cost. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, that's right. what we're aiming for, and we are, we are certainly committed to that. The uh, cash, uh, any uh, ability to make a guess as to how much cash you would generate in the second half of the year? In other words, uh, we currently have $40.7 million in cash and $99.5 million in debt. Do you think you'll generate, uh, how much cash do you think you generate in the second half of the year? Do you have a view of that at this point in time? We, we, because we've suspended guidance on earnings guidance, we're, we're not prepared to make that statement. What we, we can say that we, we expect the second half of Q2 to be much stronger than the first half, assuming there's no COVID-related uh, right. work stoppages. And if, if, if uh, metal prices stay where they are, closer to spot as opposed to consensus, um, uh, yes, we should be in a position to, to – uh, generate cash, but I'm not prepared to. Uh, right. Okay, it's understandable. Comment. It's understandable. Again, I think we have to pay a little bit more attention to uh, looking at strategic alternatives for the company, because I think the stock is disconnected from the fundamental value of the business, and I, I think it's incumbent upon the board and uh, Mr. Arias to basically look at this and try to decide the best way to deal with it. But thank you, and good luck. Stay healthy. Thank you. And again, if you'd like to ask a question, that's star one on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from the line of James Young from West Investments. Your line is open. Yeah, hi. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for the uh, strong performance in the second quarter. Um, a couple of questions. I've got several questions for you. Number one is, can you just remind us, are there any upcoming labor contracts that are due for negotiation that we should be aware of at all at, at any and all of the three mines. Uh, hello, James. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, not in the very near future. Uh, uh, the next discussion with the agriculture union should be uh, early next year. Uh, so. But we are certainly in constant conversations with them. This uh, COVID-19 situation has certainly disrupted the whole uh, relation uh, uh, with the workforce because we've we've had to put some of their workforce in in suspension. Uh, there have been some changes in the in the shift, so we we didn't, so they didn't have to go up so often to the mine and go through this quarantine process. Uh, so we are constantly talking to them and, and, and agreeing on different things. But uh, the contract as itself, we, we, we have to negotiate it uh, by the end of the year or early next year. Okay. Uh, secondly, at Yerkocha, um could you just help us understand where exactly do we stand with respect to the permit that will enable you to expand your production from 3,000 tons a day to 3,600 tons a day, and what specific permits are required? Like, are there, is it just okay. one permit, or are there multiple permits? Can you just help us understand that process? Thank you. 
Yeah, the, 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 thank you, James. Uh, what we require to, to expand Yaricocha to 3600 as a permit is a permit called the ITS. The ITS is a shortened version uh, uh, for, for the environmental permits, um, which apply to, to this sort of, uh, you know, 20% expansion size. Uh, we have already contacted the government. They have already given us their views on what we require to, to get that uh, permit. So we are currently completing the, the documentation and the studies that, that have to be sent to the government. Uh, uh, so this process uh, should take into early next year uh, to get the, 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 this environmental instrument approved. Once that environmental instrument is approved, then we, we go to the Ministry of Energy and Mines for the production permit, which should be right away. So all in all, we're expecting to have that permit by, by early next year. Okay. Um, have there, and so have there been any other permits that have been granted to you as part of this whole process, or is this just this is just the ICS that you're really waiting for? Is that the key one? That, that's the key one, the ITS, yes. Okay. All right. Um, third, in the uh, <laughs> MDNA on page 10, you mentioned that, uh, you know, about copper and that the strong demand you're seeing out of China and supply constraints from like Peru and Chile. Can you help us better understand, I mean, the demand that you're seeing out of, uh, out of China overall, um, and kind of, if you can quantify any of these numbers, it would be helpful. Um, because while you've done a very good job on COVID, I would assume, and this is something on the supply side, that there have been other mines and other miners who have not done as well in Peru, Chile, or around the world. So can you help us better understand uh, how the demand recovery in China is, is uh, benefiting the pricing environment for, for copper and also the supply constraints that we're seeing in the, uh, in the markets? Okay, thank you, James. Well, what we see, uh, I mean, the, 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 the demand from China has, has grown, and uh, we see a strong demand coming into the market. And on the supply side, certainly, as you mentioned, both Peru and Chile have, had, have been hit by the COVID, and the production from Peru and Chile have been hit. So the result of that is what we see in the market, that the price went to the level of 240-ish, in the in the peak of the pandemic a few weeks ago, and now it's in the 290. We we are no experts in, in copper, you know, markets. You know, other experts, but uh, but I, certainly we are we are optimistic that in the long run, uh, and hopefully in the short run, uh, copper is a key component of, of our asset, of our strategy, of our assets, and we're going to 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 be. Uh, very successful on, on the development of, of our resources. Bolivar uh, is, is a great mine. Uh, it has a low cost base. And it, 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 as you can see from the first half, and hopefully you see in the second half, we're having great results from that mine, and we are certainly expecting to do so for the future. Okay, and then, you know, speaking of Bolivar, you mentioned on uh, page seven of the MDNA, you had a comment of the um, 
of the porphyry system at, that is present at Bolivar, where you're uh, where you're drilling 549 meters. Previously, the previous uh, CEO had at one point in time commented about the porphyry-like characteristics, and now you seem to be officially defining this as a porphyry system. So my question is, have you actually found a porphyry at Bolivar, or what are your plans to develop this uh, porphyry potential at, uh, at Bolivar? Okay, uh, porphyries have some defining characteristics, uh, like certain alterations and uh, certain components in the rocks and some type of rocks, and we have found that in Bolivar. Uh, and, and, and it's there. So we are uh, going to keep our, our strategy to keep searching for the sweet spot that hopefully will be there with, with the right grace to have a, a, a porphyry mine. Uh, so that's where we are at the moment. We have found that there is a porphyry system in the area and we, we are going to keep exploring. For that, we're engaging with, uh, with consultants that are, uh, that are specialized in this sort of, of mineral systems. Uh, myself, I worked in porphyries in the past, so we're certainly working on it uh, at Bolivar. Actually, the same thing applies to, to Yabricocha, where we are also aiming to work pursuing that, that opportunity in the future. Okay, so if this if you so it sounds like you think it's highly probable that there's actually a porphyry at Bolivar. Has the same party there as I under, as I understood, there's in the prior discussions with uh, with management that there was a, a another mining company that signed an NDA at uh, Yaracocha. Has the same party been engaged to look at the potential opportunity at Bolivar? Uh, well, we cannot discuss the specifics of of, of this party, uh, James. Uh, what I can tell you about Jaricoche is that we are stopped exploring because of the COVID. So uh, as soon as we can get uh, back to fairly normal operations there, in terms of COVID, we'll we'll start looking at, at exploring back again there. Okay, the, uh, the next question really pertains to the production levels that as you, you seem to be quite convinced that you're and confident that you're going to be able to, to achieve Bolivar at 5,000 tons a day by the end of the year, um, and Kusi at 1,200 tons a day by the end of the year, and continue to operate uh, um, and recover a lot of the, um, a lot of the uh, lost production at your <laughs> year, coaches. So my question really is, as you've been able to um, reinstate the production at all three mines. Uh, where, what can you help us get a better sense as to how that ramp in production looks like? So, like, uh, uh, like what, how much, um, how many tons per day were you able to mine at all three mines in the month of July? In August, you know, we're, again, we're, we're halfway through the month already. So, where, how is August unfolding? Uh, well, uh, July in Kusi, we started operating in the 27th of July, so it's not, it's not relevant. 
in Bolivar and and the agriculture we are ramping up still. Uh, we are having, as I, as I mentioned, these sort of disruptions from COVID. So it's it's a fairly fluid situation, uh, James. Uh, so it's, it's difficult for me to say a number, but what what I can state is that the, the teams are doing a great job uh, in in bringing as much production as possible at both mines. And I, I'm certainly proud of the job that they're doing. Okay, well, I would assume though that you're getting some daily production numbers and reports out of all three mines. So can you help us understand, Luis, where I mean, like Kusi, for example, yes, you started in early July, you had a month into it. So like, uh, can you give us a sense as to like, what's the highest level of production you've been able to produce at Kusi to, uh, since it's restarted? Uh, James, those, those numbers are not public yet, so I, I, I'd rather make them public altogether. What I can tell you is that, as I said, uh, the, the, the teams are doing a great job. They're really doing a great job. So. So uh, I, I hope that, that I'm sure that the numbers are going to be where the shareholders and, and, and we all want them to be. Well, I recognize that you, you did not publicly put them in the press release, but this is a public call for your earnings call. And so this is an opportunity to share that with the marketplace in a public forum. So if um, I, I guess, again, I'll come back to you one last time. Can you help us understand, like at Bolivar, what what levels of production are you currently producing at, at Yaracocha? What levels of production are you producing at, and at Kusi? Because this is critically important for the company and for shareholders too. Louis, can I pop in here? Jim, this is not considered public forum enough that it meets disclosure requirements for all people. The only way that we disclose and meet disclosure requirements for everybody is through a press release. So. You know, because right now we currently have seven people on the line. And so that's not considered public disclosure in the sense that we can put something out in a press release. So we cannot disclose the actual numbers um, as to what the mines are doing right now. We can tell you that we're very optimistic. Things are going well, but that's all we can say. The uh, production press release will be out um, mid-September for Q3. Um, and at that point, I think you'll be happy with the numbers, but that's all we can say. Okay, and the and we'll, do you think you'll be prepared to provide some better uh, guidance going forward after the, when the mid-September uh, release is uh, is provided to the markets, or is this just going to be a historical number? Hi, hi, Jim. It's a so the third quarter numbers will come out in uh, uh, it's going to come out around uh, November. And at that point, we should have a much better grasp in terms of where cash flow, uh, cash position is. Um, again, there is still possibly a, a COVID risk, but uh, having three quarters of the year in place, we should be in a better position. Okay, uh, if I can move over then to Kusi uh, for a second. Uh, can you help us understand this new system that you talked about? You, you, you had a press release of the, the Northeast-Southwest system. Um, how, uh, I guess you put the press release out on June 18th, and um, how, uh, how much production and how much ore are you expecting to be able to process at the, uh, at the El Paso mill? 
from that area again, we refer to that area. Uh, what we found is, is very encouraging and, and, and very positive. Uh, in, in the, the geological interpretation in Kusi was that the fault was like a hard boundary between an area with ore and with an area with no ore. Okay, so the interpretation of the ore that was found along that fault was that it was a stockwork. So it was a, a, a ore mixed with the rock that I'm, I'm being very simple here with the rock that 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 was cracked at the at the fault. Okay, uh, the geologists have looked very carefully at what we found once we are mining near the area, and their interpretation now has changed that it's more. Uh, that the, the ore actually extends to the other side of, of the of the fault. Before we 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 felt that on the other side of the fault we wouldn't have ore. Now we feel that there is ore on the other side. So uh, and this stock work has become a system of veins that that go into the other side. So that's where we are. As we speak, we are drilling into that area and and the numbers that we released on that press release uh, some time ago are the numbers that we have found from some drills in the area. Now we are working on more drills to quantify uh, what uh, sort of, of tonnage and, and grade we are going to have on that area for, for mining. Uh, we are very excited about the area. It's, it's higher grade than, we, that we, than what we have found in the, in the nearby areas. Uh, and since it's very close to where we are mining, we we are planning to bring this into production in the next uh, six to twelve months. Part of it. So that's where we are are working at the moment. We are very excited. We hope that it helps in terms of grade profile for the future. But we have to do the the drills, the numbers, and the planning and the mining to to make sure that it, it's there. Okay. So this um, this new um, system, the northeast-southwest system that you're talking about here, is your sense that the grades are higher or lower than what you're what you're seeing at the Santa Rosa de Lima? Uh, so 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 far, what we found from the drills is that it's higher, uh, but we still well, it's it's drills, it's you know samples. Uh, we we have to to drill more and, and make sure what the volume is and what. The, the the final tonnage and grades will be for mining. You know we have to account for dilution, grades, widths, and all of these variables. But uh, from what we found, we we are optimistic that they are going to be higher. Okay, and then what about how uh, how wide are what, what's the width that you're finding in this new system? Because the the one issue with the Kusi over the years has been that they've been quite narrow, which has made them difficult to be economical. So can you help us understand how, how are the widths compared to what you're seeing out of Santa Rosa de Lima? Jim, as per the public disclosures, Santa Rosa de Lima on average is about up to four meters. And the press release actually stated that uh, the widths go up to 17 meters uh, in this new area. So they, you know, what we have from the information that we've seen so far is that they're wider. Um, you know, that's, and that's about all we can say right now. Okay, and when when would when will we ex when would you expect to be able to release some more information about the overall tonnage and quantity um, and other characteristics of uh, of the northeast southwest system for the markets? 
Well, the drilling is ongoing right now. As soon as the uh, drilling is complete and we have assays, um, we'll get that out to the market as soon as possible. We're excited about this and we want to share it as soon as we have it. So we're not holding back information here. As soon as we have it, we'll try to get it out to you as soon as possible. Right. I, I understand that, Mike, but I mean, are you are we looking at something like, say, in September, or are we talking about by the end of the fourth quarter of 2020 or just a 2021 event? Uh, we are, as Mike said, uh, Jim, we are drilling at the moment. Hopefully, by the end of the year or early next year, we will have the, some of the numbers out in the market. Uh, but uh, look, we, we are we are really into it. So so we are we are expecting to have the numbers as soon as as, as possible, uh, and, and make sure that we uh, bring that ore into the plant and and, and sell silver out of it. Okay, if we can move back a little bit towards the Bolivar, where um, can you help us understand the incremental margins where uh, the, the incremental EBITDA margins, Ed? Whereby you know in the latest quarter, you're you're we're producing at 3,500 tons a day. As you ramp towards 5,000 tons a day, we can you know I would assume that these incremental margins should be fairly fairly robust. Um, so can you just help us better understand what is the incremental EBITDA margin for Bolivar, please? Hi, Joe. Yeah, so in, in, in Q2, we saw some uh, a real increase in our, uh, in our incremental margins, if you will, um, operating almost at a 53% margin. Um, H1 Bolivar was at around 50%, uh, very strong. We would expect that as we increase our, our throughput up to the 5,000 ton per day, you are going to get the, the advantage of the uh, lower fixed unit basis, your lower costs per per, uh, per, town, per ton and per pound. So we're, we're highly optimistic, but I'm not prepared to say, uh, to give you a, a firm number at this, at this point, but uh, very solid margins coming out of Bolivar. Okay, well, can you help us better understand then with these uh, benefits from the economies of scale that you're alluding to, Ed, what kind of cost per pound would you, like the cash cost, in all in sustaining cost, uh, as you move from 3,500 tons a day to 5,000 tons a day, would you expect to see at uh, Bolivar? Uh, Jim, I, I think uh, with the benefit of Bolivar is that uh, Bolivar would be, uh, you know, you could say it's in the close, very close to the bottom quartile in terms of uh, its cash, cash cost, C1 cost. Um, and I'd expect it to maintain that and uh, going going forward, but I'm not prepared to give you a cash cost per pound at this point. We, uh, Ed, when, what, what additional information do you need to see and when would we expect to know um, what these, uh, what your, the, the cost trends look like at Bolivar? Uh, the, the cost trends, Jim, are going, uh, they're going lower, and uh, it's just, there's a lot of things that go into, uh, you know, there's grades, there's all sorts of things that impact uh, the amount of development you're doing, the amount of machinery you're doing, so it, to really put your neck out on the line, I'm not prepared to do that and say that, yeah, I can say that 
Bolivar is going to be X dollars per pound going forward at a 5,000 ton throughput and much higher or lower depending on the throughput. Uh, as we speak at the end of June, uh, cash costs for Bolivar were around a buck 16 a pound, uh, which, which is uh, very good. And, and there's also the FX uh, component as well, which, which does make a difference as well as, the, as you have a, a weakening uh, Mexican peso. And that has gone into to the, uh, the cost profile as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess the, uh, the last question here is that um, it would seem that given your um, optimistic view towards the ability to deliver on the production increases, excluding any negative impact from COVID, um, and the pricing environment that we're seeing here, that the upcoming, that the record quarter that you guys produced on an EBITDA basis of in June of 18 of about around 29 million bucks, that um, is there any reason why that number should not be exceeded by the fourth quarter of 2020, given that you've got rising volumes and the pricing environment is so much better today than it was back in 18. I'm assuming there's no COVID interruptions and, and as Louise mentioned uh, on the call earlier, we, we expect uh, a stronger second half than, uh, than first half. There's no question. And it's, it's all a matter of if, if spot prices, uh, if metal prices remain at spot prices, uh, we should see a, a nice big bump. Again, just to remind you that we do base our um, planning efforts on consensus pricing and consensus prices are still very much, they're way below where we have uh, spot prices right now. So it's really highly dependent on that. Right, yeah, I, I totally understand the importance of pricing. And, uh, but, but again, the, the question really is though, if the pricing environment remains where it is today, uh, again, we're halfway through the third quarter, and if it continues out into the fourth quarter like this, uh, is there any reason why we should not be able to exceed the June quarter of 18 that was at $28.9 million? Right. There shouldn't be taking, taking COVID out of the equation, Jim. There should be yep. uh, really no reason. Okay, great. Uh, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate your time and all your uh, thoughts here. And most importantly, uh, we uh, wish you all the best and all the, uh, the safety to all the employees at uh, Sierra Metals. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Lee Cooperman from Omega Family Office. Your line is open. Yeah, I just I had to come back in the line because I listened to this exchange between you and Jim. And I want to make an observation, and I have a question. The observation is you, know, you guys are working very hard trying to create value. The market doesn't seem to give a damn. You have more press releases per dollar of market cap than any company I've ever been involved in in the 55 years I've been in the business. We have seven people on the line. Nobody gives a damn, okay? They don't care about us. And I hope Alberto is listening because he should understand that there's a growing sense of frustration of those people like Mr. Young that have been a long-term supporter of the company. Now, stock is unchanged for a decade. The price of the commodities 
more recently is way up. Yes, we have the uncertainty of the COVID, uh, uh, which is another factor, but the reality is that uncertainty should give us an opportunity. So I would say the time has come for us to explore strategic alternatives, and it may be the best thing is to do nothing if people can't pay us or won't pay us for what, we, what you guys have created. My second thing is a question. Uh, when earlier this year, before COVID hit, you announced the uh, intention of pursuing a, a Dutch auction tender, I guess it was, uh, given uh, uh, just your assessment of the environment today, the financial position of the company, your production capacity, the price of the commodities you sell, is the stock cheaper today than it was in January, or, or you, you have no opinion on that? I'm not prepared to comment on, on that. Uh... Well, I'll comment. Everything you said would suggest that the stock, which is unchanged from January, is more attractively priced today than it was in January. You have more production. You have higher prices of the commodity. Either you made a mistake in the intention of buying back stock earlier this year, or you basically should really re-enter the market. The uncertainty is what creates the opportunity. That's it. I, I, I've said enough. Thank you. Lee, just to rebuttal on that, we when we announced that share buyback, COVID was not anticipated, uh, and this was supposed to be a much stronger year. We have not seen, um, you know, COVID actually impacted in, uh, operations significantly. Metal prices came off. Um, and the other thing is that we had no uh, debt repayments this year. Uh, we were just paying the interest on that line. And so now, um, going into next year, um, we have, you know, we have to take everything back into consideration again, and everything has to be looked at. So, you know, we, we do believe that the company is in, in strong footing. We do believe there's a lot of upside. We do believe in the metal price. Um, we have to reevaluate because we have to look at how much capital we're going to need to meet the capital expenditure requirements. Excuse me, I don't want to interrupt you, to... but you did reevaluate. You understandably withdrew the intention of doing the buyback. What the question I'm asking, and I have an opinion on that question, is now is there is the appropriate thing to reassess that decision? In other words, the commodity price today is materially higher than it was in January, I believe. Your production outlook, assuming COVID doesn't upset it again, uh, is for materially greater production 2021 than you had in January of 2020. The price of stock is unchanged. Okay. I think at that time you thought the stock was at a big discount to the value of the business, and I would say that the discount today should probably even be greater. That's just, uh, that's just an observation, and I was just trying to see whether you agree with that or not. But guess what? Time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, I'm not, even though I'm 77, I'm not in a rush. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm patient, but I would uh, suggest to Alberto, if he listens to this call, there's a growing sense of frustration amongst those who have been the loyal, most loyal, and longest shareholders in the company. That's all. All right. Thanks, Lee. Operator, thanks, that's everything. We have no further questions in queue. I'll turn back to the presenters for closing remarks. Thanks, operator. That concludes today's call. On behalf of management team, I'd like to thank all the participants for joining us today. A replay of the webcast and all the materials can be found on the website, crmetals.com. If there are any further questions, please feel free to reach out to us anytime after today's call. Our contact information can be found in today's presentation or on the company's website. Thank you, operator. Please conclude the call. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.